You're listening to the Live, Love, Engage podcast. On today's show, we're going to be talking about aging with grace and humor. Stay tuned. I am Gloria Grace Rand, founder of The Love Method and author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Live, Love, Engage, how to stop doubting yourself and start being yourself. In this podcast, we share practical advice from a spiritual perspective on how to live fully, love deeply, and engage authentically so you can create a life and business with more impact, influence, and income. Welcome to Live, Love, Engage. Namaste. I am Gloria Grace Rand, and I am so delighted to be with you for another edition of Live, Love, Engage. And we've got an amazing woman on the show today that I can't wait to chat with and to uh, learn more about her and and have her share her story with you all. So I want to welcome, first of all, Ruth Yunker to Live, Love, Engage. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I am very pleased to have met you virtually here for a moment, because I'm really excited to learn more about you. But let me tell our listeners and those watching on YouTube what you've been up to. Ruth is a writer, a humorist, and traveler, and she is also a fledgling model at the young age of 73. She's been writing for 40 years and has published short stories, magazine articles, and book reviews, and also three books of her own as well. Her first two were about her stays in Paris, and her current book is called Baby, I'm the Boss of Me, My Journey to Ageless, which consists of stories of her life and how now she's facing the third trimester of life. And there's a copy of the book right there she was showing. She's doing it with joy, personal power, and above all, a healthy sense of humor. And there's more there, but I'll maybe let you share a little bit more of that. So let's see, I'm trying to think where to start. And I know a lot of times when I'll have guests on, I ask them about, you know, what got you to where you are today. So maybe I'll ask you, why did you decide to write this latest book? We'll start with that. Okay. Well, I've been writing forever and I stopped writing fiction for pretty early on. And, and for the last 20 years, I've just been writing about my, you know, like memoir essay type stuff. So that's what this, so it was a, a change of genre, but it was also I, uh, I reached the age of 50 and I stopped drinking, which was very important, needed to be done. And at that point, I first of all, I taught yoga for seven years. I couldn't pick up a pen for seven years. And um, But I decided to start writing exactly what I want to write. And what I wanted to write was humor. And so I also then at that time began traveling to Paris and by myself and staying in an Airbnb and having to go to the grocery store and the laundromat. And in, in the end, this has been like for almost every year for 16 years, I have a whole social life over there, thanks to social media and a normal life. You know, I mean, I <laughs> did the tourist stuff. I don't do that anymore. I go over there and just live there. So I love it. But then I turned um, 70 and that totally freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I was carrying things too far. I remember turning 60 and having a beautiful birthday party for myself, all women. People give you great presents when your birthday has a zero at the end of it, you know? <laughs> like, oh, this one's important. Okay. 
And a friend of mine at that time, who was older than I am, <clears throat> said, come on in, the water's fine, you know, about being 60. So when I turned 70, it just, I, the number just didn't flow. I personally don't care, but I knew exactly how it looks to the world or how you say, if I'm 70, I mean, people have uh, stereotype reactions to it. So why? Quite obviously, because there I was having a meltdown on my 70th birthday, quietly in the country somewhere, you know, <laughs> it's just, and then suddenly I was 71. <laughs> and then 72, I mean, and I didn't feel any different. The morning mm -hmm. I woke up when I was 72, I looked in the mirror and I thought, I now understand the meaning of the word ageless. This is called my journey to ageless, baby on the boss of me. I understand it because I didn't personally feel what my stereotypical idea of what 70 would be like. I didn't look like it. I, you know, for all the various reasons. And um, all of a sudden I understood my mean, my age was meaningless. And anyway, at that point I'd been doing memoir essays all along, but um, I decided to put it specifically in a book and write about how I'm aging and how I feel about it. And if anybody likes what I have to say, then they can do it too. I like that. And and I can relate. Now I'm I am as we're recording this, I'm two weeks away from my 60th birthday. There you go. Have a big party. You'll get great gifts. Well, well I tell you what I decided to do was I'd for years had wanted to host a retreat. Oh. And I for one reason or another never did it. And I said, you know what? screw it, I'm going to host a retreat this year. Yeah. And so I'm doing it like the weekend before my birthday, there was a full moon that weekend. And I, I just thought, oh, this is perfect. It's that yes. that's what I'm going to do. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, so I totally get that. Yeah, it's you do want to celebrate those, those milestones. And I can also understand 70 kind of being yes. strange, <laughs> because I know, well, because I mean, my mom, I passed at 78. And so I'm sure when I hit 70, you know, I'm probably going to start wondering about it myself a little bit. But I don't feel like 60. And yet I remember when I was a kid, and you would see people who were like 60 or 65 at all, oh, they were so old. Yes. But I don't know if it's because we are baby boomers that we're yeah. that it's different. Now we're, 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 we're living differently, I think, too. And then our, our parents or grandparents did. Tell me a little bit about, because I, I love, I've seen some of you, I know you've got um, like an Instagram account and you've got pictures on there. And so tell me about this modeling that you are <laughs> doing, because that I, I love. So you'll have to check her out. Tell, tell everyone like what your, your Instagram. Well, it was a challenge. I wanted to be a model when I was 16 and ah. I just life interfered and, you know, and I didn't. Yeah, my mother said, well, we'll send you to New York then. But I spent, I'd had a peripatetic childhood, lived a lot of places. I didn't want to go anywhere. And I knew I wasn't tall enough at the time, didn't have quite the, the right look. I just knew it, you know, no, don't bother. Anyway, uh, so life goes on and on. And I had, was having dinner with someone um, in January. He's kind of a marketing person, but we're friends. And I was saying, you know, yeah, you know, I just, you know, you don't make a whole lot of money writing books and um, <laughs> you get a lot of personal satisfaction. And I said, yeah, so I was, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be doing the speaking thing now that the speaking thing, now that the pandemic is over, that kind of thing. And he leaned back and just said, you said you wanted to be a model when you were a teenager. If you want to make some money, why don't you model? There's a whole huge world for, they call them silver models. All those women who keep saying on Instagram, they keep saying, 
I began transitioning into my gray and I'm thinking, do they know anything about transgender issues going on <laughs> these days and what they sound like compared to what these people are going through with just going gray, for God's sake. And, and they usually have gorgeous heads of hair too. So I couldn't go gray if I don't want to go gray. So not now. White. My hairdresser is saying we're pretty close to white. And I'm saying when I turn 80, I'll go white. There you but, um, yeah, so he said, why don't you try it? And I said, well, I, I, you know, I don't have a clue how to get started. I live in L.A. That's just like a hopeless situation. I, you know, he said, well, you should try it. You should you should try it. The speaking thing, you're not going to like it. And I just know you. And and he said, but get professional headshots. And therein began in February my journey into this whole modeling world and also being out here in Los Angeles that involves the Hollywood world and the Hollywood mindset. And I am not looking to do fashion modeling in fashion magazines. Obviously, I'm not old. I mean, there's women who have been models since they were 20 who are now 70 and they're gorgeous and they are the, they, that's their world. I am a commercial and print model, which means I'm going out for commercials and in the background of an AAA ad in you know Westways, there'll be a picture of the grandma with her little kid or something. And it's a slow process. I mean, it took me months to get the headshots and get them redone. And, you know, it's like that. And but I'm now sending out. I've got. I've had two auditions back, which apparently is excellent. I didn't get either job, but but I got the call back. That's right. And I'm just, you know, that's where it is. But what's turned out to be an issue with it is fitting it in to my current life. You know, Ooh. so when you take on, I'm always big on saying, take on the new thing, you know, be brave, be open, be curious, whatever age you are, mm -hmm. you have to fit it into what you're already doing. So I've got very little writing since this has started. And I don't like that because I have my next book is in mind, but I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out one day at a time. <laughs> there you go. Well, are you a, are you a morning person or, or a nighttime person? Oh, morning. Okay, and well, you can show me the bedroom door at nine o'clock and I'm okay. and I'm up at 530 or six. All right. Well, then what I would recommend is you just need to start putting a couple minutes in, even if it's 15 minutes a day to start writing and do it first thing in the morning before you get too involved in anything else. Because I know when I was writing my book, that's what when I got stuck for a while, I had a coach tell me just do 15 minutes, even if you just even if you don't write. But just dedicate that 15 minutes, maybe even just you're just thinking about it. You know, that that's so true. And I mean, I have a wonderful friend and also she's also a writing instructor, <clears throat> just marvelous. And she says, write 45 minutes in the morning. And that's not how my last book got written. And I'm not talking about editing or rearranging it or I'm talking about rough draft. Right. Yeah. And of course, the other big thing is don't start at the beginning. You know, it's that poor kid that stops every writer in the world. Oh, my God. You know, once <laughs> But th that's so true. And and I look at myself and my morning consists of getting up and going for a walk on the boardwalk, which I am not going to stop. That that has to come first. But when I come home, I sit on my balcony with my with my coffee and peruse the world. Instead, I could. That's a very good point. I'll take you up on it. Okay. Balcony can wait for a while. Yes, that's true. <laughs> There in the evening, when I'm ready to go to sleep, I can sit out on the balcony. There you go. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about you, you going to Paris. So what was that like? Because I know I've, I've actually talked to another woman I had on the podcast uh, not too long ago, who does... Um, she's like a digital nomad. And so she's tra she travels around Europe. Um, and actually, my daughter is is 
doing that as well. She's living in Europe actually right now. Oh, really? um, she is in Hungary right now and, um, and maybe moving to Germany temporarily because her significant other is doing, a, has some work there for, for taking a, a yeah. internship for, for a few months. So what was, um, let's start with this. What did you like best? What did you like best about living in in, uh, in Paris. Well, let me first say that I never liked Paris. I lived in Belgium when I was a teenager in Brussels, Belgium for three years. I saw Paris for the first time when I was 12 and I totally thought it was a complete and total waste of time. It was dirty. It wasn't the United States. The Mona Lisa was this tiny little painting up there on the wall and I didn't like it. So was <laughs> but I had, I, it was, it was a few years after I had stopped drinking and my mother had died and I was the oldest of six kids and I kind of kept the family home it was a nice mm-hmm. beach house here and my father so I was with him and life still going on and all that I mean he was mm-hmm. wonderful wasn't, he didn't need caregiving yeah but at one point I just thought I've I have got to get out of town I'm going to go away for a year I'll set it up and I'm going to do and then I finally said no just make it six months okay where are you going to go well I'm going to go I'm going to go to Florence or I'm going to go to Cairo or I'm going to go to Iceland <laughs> you know I'm not going to go to Paris because Paris is such a cliche, right? But I learned <laughs> to speak French in Belgium. I speak it with a Belgian accent, but and I'm not fluent and I can't speak at all when I'm home. But when I'm over there, some for some reason it all works out. So I thought, be reasonable. Go to Paris because you're going to be in your own apartment by yourself for six weeks. And so that's how it started. And so so I went off, not grudgingly. I mean, I was the minute I got there, I thought. I'm older now. I'm not 12 years old anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah, and and it grew on me. But the title of my second book is Baby or Paris, I've Grown Accustomed to Your Ways. And that's because learn to do it the Parisian's way. You know, be polite Mm -hmm. like them. Don't, in every country, every time I travel, I try to do things their way. Somebody said, well, you're not being true to yourself. And it's like, oh, that old saw, you know, are you kidding? You're being polite. You're also, since I was a new kid in so many schools growing up, I'm just aware people will understand you better if you do it their way. And I like to be understood. So, or how you dress, you know, don't go over there wearing flip flops and pink shorts, you know, no, wear some black pants and some good running shoes and a shirt and you, you know, just do it. And and then you get into it because it's just a costume like anywhere else. So I will say, as I think about it now, I haven't been since 2019. I'll probably go back next fall because really the pandemic gave me personally the excuse to stop traveling. And I, I've kind of liked it. <laughs> I'll tell anybody. <laughs> But I like, um, it's the part, I, you know, it's a huge, it's a big city. So there's the parts that I don't go to, you know, I, and I'm not just in the tourist area. I now stay where real Parisians live. I, I found my areas and everything. I, there's a lot about it that's annoying. Uh, the Parisians themselves or their little ways of, I mean, they're just, just completely, you know, but once you get used to that, and once you can make a Parisian laugh, which is my big thing, you feel really mm. good. But they have kept such good care of that city. They have kept mm. the spirit of it. They honor it. It didn't get blown to bits during the Second World War, thank God. Mm-hmm. And so it really has that feel of old. And I love mm. that. I'll just go sit in the cathedrals, different ones, and just sit there. Because you can, 
one time I wrote about this in my first book, I could hear kind of, I could actually hear kind of a ooh or a ghost-like thing. And I, I said, well, I know it's not a ghost. And if it is, that's fine. I'm all for them. Just don't get, don't bother me and I'll get along with you and get along with me. But uh, as I got up and began walking around the church and then finally I went outside, there was a school right next door and the kids were out in the playground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of fun too. You know, you never think of little Parisian kids actually going to school, but they do. They're so charming, the little little ones. Mm-hmm. I have some French friends there, American, married to whatever, we've had to raise their children there. And I said, what happens to them? Because they're so charming. And then they turn into, you know, these grown up snitty, not everybody, of course. Um, French and he said it's the schools so the schools kill them <laughs> so for whatever that's worth <laughs> what was your um, what would have been perhaps your biggest challenge in, in living there oh being in Paris yeah yeah well you know people always kind of ask questions from that to somebody the other day said to me what is the thing you worry about most you know and I you know I, what's the thing I feel good about most let's try that one I mean, the challenges were just the classic challenges you have when you go to a new city and have to move in and learn where the laundromat is. Getting my money back from uh, the saleswomen at the Monoprix when I brought back a hair thing that didn't work, uh, that was one of my biggest triumphs that I actually got my money back. Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. I was, okay. I was ready. And that was my first trip. And I think the challenge would basically be me, my own self-consciousness worried that I'm going to make a fool of myself. And that's just ridiculous because nobody is paying attention. They're really not paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. In in terms of actually dealing with Paris, there is no challenge. You're in a foreign country, you know, pick, you're there on purpose, mm-hmm. right? You don't expect yeah. it to be everyone to stop in their tracks and talk to you in English. Unless you go to Oslo, they all speak perfect English in Oslo. I love Oslo. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, they, apparently <laughs> they start learning English in first grade because as the Norwegians say, nobody speaks Norwegian, but everybody speaks English. So they speak it idiomatically. I mean, I was there for a month and I just loved it. In fact, my next book was, well, it is, it's probably, it's going to be called, I cheated on Paris with Oslo. <laughs> oh, I love that. Don't tell Paris. That does make sense. I, I remember when I was in, I think, junior high, we, we hosted two exchange students from Norway. And uh, yeah, and they were they were lovely young, young women. And yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was really nice having them. You had talked about at the beginning that, you know, 70 was sort of this, you know, awakening moment. So now that you are, I guess, 73. So what what are you enjoying most about this time of your life now. <laughs> I'm enjoying pulling the age card whenever I need to, particularly with my children who are grown-ups. <laughs> you know, and um, I mean, like, I remember the first time I did not feel the need to get up and give my seat to somebody else because I was darn tired at the end of the day and it was in Paris and I just thought, I'm keeping my little seat here, you know. But I think one of the things I'm enjoying the most about this age is this is the first time in my life that I have lived alone. And I have wanted to live alone mm-hmm. my entire life. I got married. I had a big family. I mean, I I had I didn't have my own bedroom until mm-hmm. I was 11. <clears throat> and I got, but I got married at 19. My mother said, you think you're going to be free? I'm not going to be free. <laughs> she was right. She was a very pragmatic woman. But anyway, um, 
then, and we had two kids, we were married, then we got divorced. And then for seven years, I didn't have a partner. I mean, I didn't have a long term. I wasn't looking for a relationship because I had two toddlers, but I had toddlers. So I wasn't alone. And that's when starting with the pet started at that point. And then I remarried and he had two children. So between us, we had four. Then I divorced him and my mother died and I moved in with my father. And at some point, my son came back to finish his his degrees. And so he stayed there too. And with by now three or four cats from both of us, we are a cat family. And so I didn't move out into my own apartment till my father died. Yeah. Mm. And I love it. I love, <laughs> I mean, I'm missing a pet and I would, I've never had a pet unless I've had another person living in the house with me. It's not that I can't mm. handle the pet. It's not that it's, it's leaving it. If I'm going, it's by itself. And, uh, you know, usually there would be somebody else there. I just like being able to walk in the door and not have to look at the floor to trip over either a baby or, or a pet. I don't have to ask anybody what they want for dinner and what do they want to watch for TV and will they please go to bed and can you keep it quiet? You know, I, I can do exactly as I want. And at this age, there's a certain responsibility to being responsible what you think you want to do, you know. But there's also no rules. I mean, I just personally love that my daily life, my in here is just all, this is all mementos. I've pared all the furniture down at this point. I don't, this won't be the last place I live. I, I like to move. But yeah, I'd say, I, I always hate sayings about, you know, like, what would your 16 year old say to you? Or what would you say to your, you know, that sort of thing. I, I hate those. I have an answer to that. And mine is ask your 16 year old what she thinks of your life now. What does she think of you? Mm. And mine is saying, thank you for the modeling thing. I had no idea it wouldn't be this glamorous thing, but thanks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> nothing glamorous about it. I, I like that That when people say, you know, I wish I was had the wisdom or whatever you want to call it, the, the smarts to keep myself happy when I was younger. But I certainly, by this age, it's entirely up to me. And I understand and believe that everything in my life is up to me. It is not somebody else's fault over there if something goes wrong mm -hmm. or it doesn't work out the way I want or I'm in a bad mood. You know, that's why I'm a little reluctant to embark on a serious relationship because I have to work on that one. It's your fault. You know, I, I, I'm <laughs> not the best with that. So I think I'm getting better. And, and I'm a yoga, I, I very serious yoga practitioner. And so that helped. But I think that's it. The getting to this age, I, I'm I'm pragmatic about death. I you know, I mean, one day I was worrying about something that I worry about, you know, like in a circle that you know quit mm -hmm. and 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 worry, worry, worry. And I finally I stopped and I said, you know, here you go again on that topic. Why don't you, if you want to worry about something, look at how much closer you are to death than you were a few years ago. You know, but that's you start having friends. I start having friends die and my parents dying and I don't want to do it but at some point I can also see that you've lived long enough and it's like show me what's next <laughs> you know mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah well I had something I was going to ask and now it just mm -hmm. went out of my, oh my head God. but that's I, okay too. I mean I'm, during the course of all this I've lost <laughs> yeah. my train a lot a couple times I know what it was I was going to say is if you wanted to have a pet 
you could get two cats and that way they can keep each other company when you do. Well, I, so, because I do have two cats and I've gone away for the oh, weekend. And they're and they're okay. Okay. Cause I'm babysitting my, I live in a duplex and I'm upstairs and my name, we're like a, a family of three in this house. And anyway, they have two kitties and they're away for the weekend. So I go down twice a day, you know, and so, you know, that's a, but what about the long-term traveling? Well, there are services that you can get where somebody will come in and take care of your cat. My son and his girlfriend did that because they, they traveled to Europe and they, they had a cat. And so they had somebody come in basically and house sat and, or took care of the cat while they were gone. Of course I can beat that one to death too, which is. After the leaving them at home, way back when I used to take my children, for, I lived on the East Coast at that point, out here to California for their summer vacation, I would leave my cats at a cat babysitting place. It was run by Doris Day, I swear. She looked just like her. It was a big barn out in the country in Maryland. It was as good as it could get. And the three of them were together and stuff yeah. like that for six weeks. And I wanted to do mm-hmm. that because I didn't want to leave them in the house because then subliminally in the back of their mind, every time you leave after that, when you didn't come back for a long time, they have no idea of knowing that it's. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, you know what? Yeah. Probably would be no one around me, my friends, my pet. No one thinks I should have a pet right now. <laughs> it's taken so long to get here. Leave it alone. Yeah. That's true. That's true. All right. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with you, them on that. That sounds reasonable. What are you curious about right now? Well, uh, frankly, I'm curious about what this modeling thing is going to consist of. You know, it's it's been hard work. I took two classes this summer, both by Zoom, one taught by a really mean casting director out here, but it gave me a play. And then one, a woman who's seen me through some of the magazine, I write for a pro-age magazine on, on the internet and all that. Uh, she said, and she's into that. She's anyway, she's my East coast coach. She's more, he's more like, this is what, when you go in or when you have to send them in a self taped video audition, here's what you have to do. And I learned lingo sides are your lines. I never thought about having lines. I wasn't, I just wanted to be in a picture where you smile. You know what I mean? But I'm having to remember how to memorize, but I'm curious to see how that goes. And when I say curiosity, I think what I also mean, I don't mean so much, I mean for myself, but I think in this day and age, especially in, and I don't want to get political, but in the climate we have of everyone seeming to hate each other or hate this type of person or that kind of, to stop that, to be curious about the person you instinctively recoil from, you know, be curious about the new town you found yourself stuck in because your husband got a job there. Be curious about, your daily life, look at other people. It's not so much about what I'm curious about exploring. I mean, I tried to take up roller skating again last year, failed miserably, I was appalled. I used to roller skate with a kid, right? You know, I couldn't do it. I decided I'm not doing any sports in which you need to wear a helmet for fear of falling on your head. But that's more, you know, be curious about the world in general, something you don't know. If, if, if you don't believe in therapy, think about that. Why do you have that reaction? Or you don't care about the stars in the sky. How come? You know, they're there. It's a, it's a if you don't believe in science, you know, <laughs> you know, hit yourself over the head and say that again out loud a hundred times and sound, believe, see how smart that sounds. You know, I don't know. It's that kind of thing. And that's more what I mean. I mean, I could always be very curious about what outfit I'm going to wear the next time I take a picture for Instagram. <laughs> I haven't bought anything <laughs> new in two years, though. 
So I'm working on fumes here. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> well, you just, you, you'll have to get out there and go find yourself, treat yourself to something new. Yeah, I am. I'm treating myself to, I'm treating myself to not going anywhere for a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going up to Oregon to visit my daughter for a couple of weeks. I got stuck in Oregon. I had left to, uh, I was in the mid, anyway, she lives in Oregon and my son lives here. And I went to visit for two weeks on March, March 12th, 2020. <laughs> Pandemic. Oh, I was there uh-oh. for three months before she let me leave. She's a lawyer and, you know, you can't argue with her. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know how that goes. Well, yeah, and my and my daughter was in Germany at the time, and so she had to come home. And she, she was not too happy oh, about that. Well, I'm glad you got her home, but, really, frankly. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> There's a time when they have to listen to their parents. I don't care how old they are. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, what's the oh, thingy first thing you did this morning? And I said, well, I had an argument with my grown son, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they're fun to to banter oh, with i love my adult children I, I don't know how mine are seen mine are in their 40s so you know they've oh. they've been a little beaten up by life now too their past i mean when i told i i had a facelift when i was um 57 or something like that and the person i was the most afraid mm-hmm. to tell i was going to do it i wasn't afraid to tell anybody except my daughter she's 25 mm-hmm. she was Paul, how can you do that, Mom? You know, have a facelift. You, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the way you look. And 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 you said, you know, we're gonna age organically and all that. And and I wrote about that in my book, Baby I'm the Boss of Me. It's that kind of thing. It's memory interspersed with how I'm dealing with these things as I come along with them. And I I realized that I remember my mother would say, should I have a facelift? And she had four daughters, or I have three sisters and two brothers, and 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 we'd all look at her and see her same beautiful face that we love, you know, like our animals mm-hmm. look at us. They don't know how old they are and they don't care. Mm-hmm. And we'd say, "Have one if you want, Mom. It's all right." But my daughter was twenty-five, and I think, and she's since apologized and definitely believes in Botox and will have a facelift when the time comes and everything else. She's forty-two <laughs> now. I think it was that moment where you really see mortality. I think she looked at me and suddenly a big, strong mother who was totally assured all life, you know, single parent for so much of it and so on. And, and suddenly being vulnerable, yeah. well, I think I'm looking older and I want to have a facelift. She felt that I was, it, it scared her a little bit, I think, to see my, my not vulnerability, my, the fact that I wouldn't necessarily always be there, you know, or I'm getting older. Yeah, I think that's what it yeah. is, you know. Yeah, that could be. I'm glad you've made up, so that's good. And um, yeah, I, my, her mother-in-law is 85 right now. Would like to have her chin done. She's 85. She has the money to have it done, but you know, she grew up scrabbly hard and five kids. And she's going to ask her daughters, and I know her daughters, and they are all well. I no, I think they might be. They might be old enough now to be okay. But she's dragging her feet. Have it if not now, when? You know, it's bothering That's true. her. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and that is, I think, the good thing to know and, and, and to appreciate is, yeah, when you do get to a certain age, and that is the thing that I have appreciated as I've gotten older, as and as I continue to get older, and I would like to continue to get older for about another yeah. 40 years. Um, <laughs> I think it's 105 <laughs> for me. I'm not sure why, but that seems to be the age. Yeah, that, that's that's about where I'm 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 headed as well. Is is that we can we can start 
Well, number one, I don't care so much about what other people think anymore. Thank goodness. Um, like when you're younger and you're just like, you know, you're really concerned, but take me as I am. This is it. And it's nice to be able to have that, to be able to just say, yeah, this is, this is me. And if you don't like it, and you oh, feel well, really I'm comfortable, <laughs> you know, in your core, your core is yeah. saying, yeah, you know what? I, I, I yeah. do want ice cream for dinner. Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not going to be the end no, of the world. It's not. Nothing is the end <laughs> yeah. of the world by our age. Yeah. And then wait till you add another. But 60s were great. I, my 60s were lovely. Yeah. Uh, well, every one of them has been pretty good except my 20s. My 20s, I regret. But anyway, um, the good part of being older, you know, gets into yeah. acceptance as well, which is something that is a hard concept to embrace. But it doesn't yeah. mean being weak or giving in. It means... Frankly, I think it means go with the flow. If you can see where the flow is going, <laughs> then go that way. Yes, exactly. Is there anything else that you'd love to share with our listeners that I haven't asked you about that you think would be useful? About getting older? Um, yeah, or, or anything well, else. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> well, my platform basically is is about getting older, but it, it started, changed a little bit during the pandemic. We're there when everyone was bemoaning how they couldn't go out and they hadn't had a meal in the restaurant. You know, meanwhile, people are losing their money. It's not, you know, I mean, I think you're privileged. I'm privileged. We're lucky and we appreciate it. Others just yeah. don't seem to get it. But anyway, I started on a big thing about Start noticing the little miracles that happen every day in your house, in your kitchen, while making your bed, tripping over your cat, you know, but whatever that you suddenly go, oh, my gosh, look at the sunlight on that picture that I haven't looked at. And, you know, because they're free, they're there for you, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, plant that in there and it makes the day your daily life so much more interesting and like when is the little thing going to happen the other day i was in my car <clears throat> stopped at a light it was a rather wide intersection and a man he wasn't quite a street person yet but he was veering on it you know but he his corduroy pants were a little battered but but anyway and he was he was our generation you know older and he started walking across the street and a good look, formerly a good looking man. And he started walking across the street and then saw that maybe he wasn't going to make it. So as he noticed that, and I'm noticing it over here, he began kind of a skip. And then the skip, remember when you're skipping and your skip could get really big, you know, he got there <laughs> yes. with his skip getting across and you could just almost feel the joy coming from him. Like, oh my God, I still got it, you know? <laughs> you know, and just how that feels when you lift yourself off the ground. I mean, I have, to be so, I have scoliosis and arthritis in my lower back and injuries from sports mm -hmm. all my life. And I, you know, I can't jump. I, I'm not supposed to jump and I can hardly jump. But he and I just that for me, there it was free for me to see yeah. and take it in. And that comes in handy that that kind of attitude and then the other attitude i have is as you're getting older quit complaining about it and start taking care of yourself and by that i mean get a good exercise don't gain weight people say oh you're too thin no i'm not do it to people ever turn i feel like sometimes saying and you weigh too much to these people who tell me that but usually they don't <laughs> 
<laughs> really overweight people keep quiet about that. My daughter just lost 60 pounds this last year. And thank God, I was so worried. Oh, you know, wonderful. Something clicked, seeing all of my sister, I don't know, something clicked. And, and, and I said, just start walking the dog more often and don't eat after seven o'clock. You know, start paying attention. Mm -hmm. If you can go to bed feeling a little hungry, you have succeeded. But see, my mornings, I start early. So I start eating early and end early. But I, I believe in that. I uh, Taking care of yourself. Someone says, of course, yeah, you look good, you know, because you work at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's it. exactly why, you know. <laughs> When you right. stop working at it, when I see an elderly couple out on the street now or an older woman or man by themselves, upright, beautifully dressed. My father got dressed every day, died at 93 because he was, he missed my mother. He'd, he'd had it. So I can't believe it's mm -hmm. time for me to go. He wasn't, there was nothing really wrong with him except he just, mm -hmm. but he got dressed, fully dressed every morning. Mm -hmm. I don't. I have my yoga pants on and my, my comfortable blouse. I put on a necklace for you. <laughs> Thank you. Forgot the earrings, <laughs> but remember, got the and that we are we are responsible for our own health. It is not somebody our, and our mm -hmm. own state of being. I'm not talking about someone who's suffering from a chronic serious depression or any mental right. disorders or sometimes chronic uh, uh, chronic conditions. Though you have to help, you are the one dealing with it, so you have to figure out a way to try and be happy about it because if, and talk to your organs. Like we all notice how bad our skin is. I have the oldest hands in the world. You know, you can't, I said to my plastic surgeon, can I have a, can I lift the arm, my skin on my arms? And I'm strong, I've got muscles, but the skin, and he said, no, I'm not gonna do it. There is an arm lift, you wouldn't like it and I'm not gonna do it. So, and so I've started telling my skin, thank you. But I tell my, my liver is thrilled since I quit drinking 22 years ago, it went right on. And really pay attention to that. If something's aching, well, what did what did you, what did you do? You know, I have to know if I suddenly have sciatica there. What, where did it come from? And I now know I have a chiropractor. He's every two weeks. I I use yoga to help me with that. And psychologically, if you don't believe in therapy, I'm sorry for you if you're depressed because a therapist would help in a way that therapy helps. You know, it's it's good. It's challenging. Mm -hmm. Maybe that would appeal to the person. You know. Uh, you don't just talk about uh, what I went in the first time and sat down and I thought she was going to ask me a lot of questions. And she said, well, start telling me about yourself. <laughs> and one time after I finished the litany of this person had done that, that person had done that, she said, well, who is the common denominator in every story there? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the thing about oh, don't you hate it when that happens? And then you to look at yourself you're like oh know. you know but i hate it for one minute and then it's like yeah that just gave me power back because i am in charge of 50 percent of everything that happens to me everything so mm -hmm. you know if you're having you're getting a divorce at, you know i wanted both of my divorces and i got them but you know it wasn't all his fault <laughs> You know, or even your children, you know, I used to say to them, though, when they were little, now I'm you know, I, obviously, you know, they've got their own lives and everything, but um, they'd be standing there crying and I'm mad. And I never knelt down in front of them. I always stood above the towered above them. I mean, you know, it's all about power, particularly with little kids. But um, I said, why is mommy mad? 
Why is mommy mad at you right now? Mm. Oh, because I, I didn't want to put my shoes on. Right. Well, <laughs> oh, and it began to sink in, you know. They had caused it, cause and effect, you know. Mm. So if yeah. you're approaching, I don't know if you find yourself getting more and more depressed and you're not going out for your exercise and you're not walking and instead you're eating and you're just getting so depressed and you just can't figure out a thing to do with your hair. Or, oh, I, you know, I, I, I just don't have any sympathy for that. I had to go through when I stopped that. Sobriety hit my family like a ton of bricks because my son cracked up on drugs when he was 21. He's now a psychologist mm -hmm. and he works in with mm -hmm. drug. You know, <laughs> so I had a good ending, mm -hmm. but it was a very bad scene. Yeah. And that was when I realized, number one, it's up to them. You can't fix them, you know. Oh, I'm so unhappy because my son is still a drug addict at the age of 55. Well, stop paying for rehab. It's not doing any good. I had to let my son go yeah. to the street and well, he didn't end up on the street, thank God. But I mean, you know, I had to kick him out and, you know, it took him six months to come around. And he said he finally, mm -hmm. first of all, he noticed all his friends were getting way ahead of him because he's an arrogant mm -hmm. intellectual person about himself so but he said um that he finally realized he could have all the drugs he wanted or everything else he couldn't have both but he had to decide that that isn't something anybody said to him That's but true. so that whole part of taking responsibility for your own happiness it, it it and then some other people will say to me well you you know sure you're happy you don't have any problems who do they think they are to say that to, to anybody? How do they know I don't have problems? Exactly. Right? I mean, everybody has problems. And all of us are recovering from whatever it was our parents did wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I look back now on my poor mother and think, oh, did I really say that to her at one point? But she could answer. I was like, oh, okay, fine. Well, when you have your own, she once time said to me, I hope you have a kid just like you. And I did, my son. <laughs> my daughter was much more easygoing. She's the harder one now. Yes, yes, I remember my mother using that line as well. That's that, that's a mother line to use. It really yeah, is. <laughs> it's it's the ultimate. But but it's all it's all good. And and, and they do, they do come around, you know, because it's like I know I was so happy. You know, I love my daughter, but I was so happy when she went when she went away to college. It was like, oh, thank yes, God. And, you know, and now she's a wonderful yes. person, you know, and, and she was always a wonderful person. But but it was well, they you know, have to break, it was break just, away. My daughter's 18 year old yeah. stepdaughter has finally left. That's actually probably what helped her. Begin. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I shouldn't say that, but she's difficult for her own reason. She has other reasons, but but she's a good she's a good kid, but she's 18. I think you have to hate your parents and they have to hate you in order for them to actually leave the nest. Yeah. They'll come back, yeah. they come back. You know, we all came back at some point to mom and dad and I have my son for five extra years when he was finishing his doctorate, you know? Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like that. So I think there, and that's again, part of the curiosity part, which is be curious mm -hmm. about people. You know, yeah. the person checking you out at the grocery store. Yesterday, the kid who packed my groceries, I said, thank you. Yeah, like I always do. 
Hayden even most of them will kind of look up and, and say, "Oh, oh, thank you," or, or "You're welcome," or I or I hate it when they say you say thank you and they say not a problem when it's their job in the first place. Not a problem is not the right, but you shouldn't talk to a writer too much. <laughs> what do you mean it's not a problem? It's your job in the first place to pack my groceries. I said to him, "Thank you," and he didn't say anything. And as I pushed my cart out, I thought. You know, I mean, I wonder maybe that age group doesn't say thank you. Maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe he's excessively shy. Maybe he's on the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Could be all sorts of reasons. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. you have good hair. I should have said something like, I really like your ponytail because I do or did. And maybe I would have gotten a response. But the cashier, she was all been. totally cheerful. My age, still having to wear a mask in there, you know. Pick and choose those moments. <laughs> oh my goodness, this has been an, a delight, and I knew it was going to be. If someone listening to you wants to, you know, learn more about you or, or check out your books or anything, where can they connect with you? You can get all of my books on Amazon. All three of them are on Amazon. Uh, if you go directly to the Amazon, the book itself, it's an endlessly long address. So, and then also, I'm quite active on both Instagram and Facebook. I had a YouTube channel. I still have it, but it's dormant right now. It, it stopped during the pandemic. And it was, it's me talking about being getting older or my style of doing it. Because that's another thing. I, I went to AA and AA was great on. They don't give advice. They say, here's how I did it when I had your problem. And that is amazing because mm -hmm. people can hear it then, you know. Yeah, that's so true. That's what I say yeah. about, you know, why I don't wear a bathing suit in public. I don't care how pulled together I am. <laughs> I can wear a bathing suit. I can't do those short sleeves, though. I, my arms, it just, I guess, oh, so, and it's terrible. I'm so strong. <laughs> you know, so social media, I'm there under Ruth Younger always, and, and the books are on Amazon. All right. Very good. Well, I will have that, all that information in the show notes. So for those of you who are listening somewhere where you can't run, write it down, just go to live, love, engage podcast.com and look for this episode and you'll be able to get all that information. So thank you so much for spending some of your day with us today. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. Thank you. And I appreciate all of you for watching and for listening. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and live fully, love deeply and engage authentically. Did you know that a majority of entrepreneurs tend to discount the importance of their work? And a good number feel their success is simply due to luck. I know from personal experience that self-doubt can keep you from having the kind of life and business you desire. That's why I've created a free guide called Uniquely You, how to move from self-doubt to self-love in four simple steps. To claim your free guide, go to liveloveengage.gift. That's liveloveengage.gift.